Well, we're going to get into um, our message for today, which I am looking forward to. Just before we do that, I wanted to uh, let you know, by popular demand, um, we have some sermon notes that are going to be made available to you guys after the service. So as soon as you leave this place, there will be some QR codes set out that you can download the sermon notes. Um, And so that will provide you with a document of all of the scriptures that we will be going through today, uh, as well as some additional ones. It will also provide you with some of the main points that we're going to be talking about and even some additional quotes that I thought were especially helpful. And so I wanted to let you know that in case you're the type that is kind of feverishly trying to write down every little thing throughout the message, that that will equip you um, to be able to get those foundational things. That being said, I would still encourage you to take notes and maybe this will give you the space to be able to just write down what you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you directly in and through uh, this message. And so please continue to do that. I think that is so very helpful, but um, make sure you grab those notes after the service because I, I think that will be something that you find beneficial, okay? So we are now in week seven of our Words Matter series. And as we've said from the very beginning of this series, this is ultimately about us growing in knowledge and wisdom and understanding when it comes to spiritual language and concepts, okay? So a lot of times as we read through scripture or as we sing the songs that we sing, we don't fully understand what exactly it is that we are singing about. And oftentimes that can have some damaging effects on how we come to understand who God is, who we are, and what he is up to in and through his creation. And so this series is trying to right-size that, give us a better scope of who he is and what he is up to. And so for the last six weeks, we have been digging into some very important, some very specific spiritual concepts and actually seeing them for what the the biblical writer's intent was and, and trying to enlighten our understanding so that as we read it, as we sing about it, we actually know what is going on. And so we're gonna continue down that path today. And uh, before we get into our word today, I wanted to set just uh, a bit of an expectation for you. And that is when it comes to the concept today that we're going to be talking about, I do think that, uh, or I hope that you will learn something new. Uh, I hope that you will kind of grasp maybe a, a different aspect of what this word ultimately means and what it is pointing to. And yet at the same time, today is really ultimately about application. Okay, what I mean by that is that we might kind of wrap our arms around this concept and truly apply it to our everyday lives and perspectives. That is what ultimately matters here, okay? And so I wanted to set that expectation so that you don't think I'm uh, gonna give you information that's necessarily gonna blow your mind, but these are things we need to really grab hold of and apply to our understanding. And so I hope as we move through this, you are able to do that. So the seventh word, of our Words Matter series is the word or the concept of peace, all right? The word, the concept of peace. Now, when I say the word peace, um, that is a concept that we are somewhat familiar with, right, in our modern day language. In fact, when I said that, you probably had some sort of definition or some sort of picture that popped up in your head, 
And yet, I don't think we understand the true significance of this word as it applies to the biblical narrative, all right? I don't think we really understand how important it is. And so as we move through this, I wanna really bring these things to the surface so that we can indeed cling to this. And so there are two primary root words that bring about our understanding of peace, and that is the Hebrew word shalom, that's probably one that you've heard of before, one of the rare Hebrew words that, that we actually know about. And the Greek word is irene, all right? So in the Hebrew, we see this about 250 times. In the Greek, we see it about 100 times, okay? So that is a, a pretty prevalent concept that we see throughout the, the biblical narrative. And yet, the context in which it is used is even more significant. And I'm gonna show you some of those things in just a bit. So we're gonna be hopping around Old Testament, New Testament, back and forth. We're gonna get a, a real full scope of what this is about. But why don't we begin with this? When we, when we say the word peace, what does that ultimately mean, okay? And there are two primary understandings, both historically and in our modern day understanding around this word. And the first meaning is simply a, a state of well-being, all right? That, that is what peace is, a state of well-being. This is probably how we naturally understand the word to work in our minds. It brings about a sense of calmness or tranquility or rest or to be at ease, right? It's the idea that I'm at peace with this, whatever it might be. There's this inner calmness that seems to be rising to the surface. In biblical times, it would represent an absence of fear and a presence of security and contentment, okay? An absence of fear and the presence of security and contentment. We see this very clearly in Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. It says, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. So we see clearly they're, they're doing away with fear, right? That, that is gone. And what is left in its place are things like strength and things like courage and security and, and contentment. This is the sense in which scripture is talking about it, okay? So this would often be used when, when maybe they would kind of check in on one another. For instance, when David goes to the battlefield to check on his brothers, he asks about their shalom. In other words, how are you guys doing, right? How's your health? How is your well-being? Uh, we would often see this when they would greet one another, right? Shalom be with you. They are wishing one another um, some sort of contentment or security or, or well-being. And in fact, we actually see Jesus using this salutation a few different times in John chapter 20, which is a very interesting context. So let me explain this to you very quickly. In John 20... Jesus has just endured the cross, which means he's gone through all of these unspeakable things that, that we read he went through historically. And, and after this, what we see in this chapter is that the disciples, his friends, his followers are hiding in fear of the Jews. It says that they've got the doors locked. They're, they're hiding within this shelter. They're afraid for their lives. Internally, they know that they have forsaken Jesus. They, they know that they have abandoned their friend, the one that they said they were going to follow. Can you imagine the, the state that they were in? And yet, as Jesus arrives on the scene, 
And as he makes himself known for the first time to them after his resurrection, the very first thing he greets them with is a greeting of peace. This is how he enters into the equation. Can you imagine just for a moment, like what that would have done for them internally? Like for Jesus to just say, we're good. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried. You can be at ease. Just like this deep breath that they could take of security, of comfort, and contentment. This is very much the sense of this first meaning of the word, okay? The second meaning, which is really much more of the kind of holistic biblical sense of the word, and probably what you and I don't naturally apply to this concept, is that peace means to be whole or to be in a state of completeness, all right? This is really what peace ultimately represents, completeness, wholeness. It points to things like restoration or um, unity or harmony. It points to all of these beautiful things. And in biblical times, this would have been the absence of doubt and the presence of confidence and trust, all right? And that will make more and more sense as we go through this today, but it's very, very important. In fact, let me show you this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Okay, so we see this idea of completeness, of, of wholeness, or even the confidence that it will be made complete or will be made whole. There is this trust factor that seems to be included here. We see this in scripture in the building of the temple. It says that Solomon brought it to shalom. In other words, he brought it to a place of completeness. Uh, we see this in a relational sense where we would have people reconciling after some sort of disagreement and it, it would be bringing peace or wholeness back to the relationship. In fact, many times when Jesus would heal somebody in the gospel accounts, he would say, now go in peace. In other words, you have been restored. You have been made whole and so you can move forward with your life. And so this beautiful picture that we see as it relates to this concept we call peace. Now, you may have noticed this in both of these meanings that we just talked about, and this is a very important aspect of biblical peace, and that is that peace is not simply the absence of something, but it's the presence of something far better in its place, okay? So peace is not simply the absence of fear or the absence of doubt or the absence of conflict. It's the presence of something better in its place. Again, there's this restorative nature that seems to be coming to the forefront. In fact, here's the picture that biblical peace often tries to, to paint for us. And that is this life that we live is, is very complex, right? I, I mean, there's so many things that are going on. There are so many moving pieces and so many moving parts to this. We have all of these relationships in our lives. We have all of these decisions that have to be made. We have all of these situations that we find ourselves in. All of this stuff is just swirling around us. And when any of that breaks down, we find ourselves in a state of brokenness or in a state of disorder. In other words, we are in need of some 
some sort of healing or stability or restoration. And biblically, this is exactly what is called peace. That's exactly what it represents. In fact, watch what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Paul says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, okay? Now that word confusion in the Greek means disorder, or instability, or unsettledness. Like it's painting this really kind of shaky, insecure picture. And Paul steps in and he says, God is not a God of those things. That's not how he operates or works. He is a God of wholeness and completeness. And you can count on that. You, you can like put your hope in that. In fact, this is what he says in Philippians 1.6, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So he is the God of completeness and you can stand on that. You, you can trust in that. And this is very much the biblical sense of the word peace and how we are to understand it. Okay. Now, as maybe you're already picking up on, there are some very significant, very important things that are happening with these different explanations. And if you're not picking up on it, let me uh, be a little bit more clear for, for just a moment. I'm going to go through some things that show you just how significant this is within the biblical story. In fact, a wise man recently said, peace is truly one of the most foundational words we have in scripture when it comes to knowing who God is and what he wills to bring about. It's one of the most significant things that we can see. And so let me prove this to you. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, one of the names that is given to God is Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord is peace. Think about that for a second. The Lord, he himself is peace. That is who he is. Eight different times in the New Testament, it says that he is the God of peace. Now, now think about all the different things that could apply to God, right? That he is the God of. Eight times it says he's the God of peace, which means he reigns over peace. He is the source of peace. He is the sustainer of peace. This is who he is and what he brings about. In fact, in Isaiah 9, 6, it calls Jesus the prince of peace. This is who Jesus is. This is what he has come to bring about is peace in and through his creation. We see the same exact thing with the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It says the fruit of the Spirit is peace, right? In other words, this is what the Holy Spirit produces in and through and, and around us, like from every angle of who God is and what he is up to. We see this idea of restoration, of wholeness, of peace. This is who he is. And, and it doesn't stop there. I mean, scripture just continues to churn this stuff out. The apostle Paul starts every one of his letters with a greeting of peace. Every single time, this is how he's going to start. In fact, Peter does the same exact thing in his letters as well. In Ezekiel 37, it says that the covenant that we have with God is a covenant or a promise of peace. In Ephesians 6, it says that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is a gospel of peace. In Hebrews 7, it refers to Jesus as the king of peace. Remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about the idea of the word Christ, what that means. We said that means Messiah, that he is the king. All of that is centered around peace. In Romans 14, this is a big one. It says that the kingdom of God, Think about that for a second. His entire kingdom, his reign, his territory, his domain is a kingdom of peace. 
This is who he is. This is what he is willing to bring about. In fact, Charles Spurgeon famously said, peace throughout the universe is his highest wish and his greatest delight. This is how significant peace is. And we have to begin to grasp that, okay? And so what I wanna do is I wanna go through a, a, different, a few different takeaways from this word and how we can understand it, how we can apply it to our lives and our perspectives. And so what I did this past week is I went through every single time in the New Testament that the, the word peace is brought about, and, and a lot of the times in the Old Testament as well. And I just wanted to get kind of a picture of, of what we're dealing with here, right? Like what are some of the things that kind of rise to the surface? Are there any themes? Are there any trends that we need to pay attention to? The answer is yes. And in fact, there were four primary takeaways that I saw throughout scripture. Now today, for the sake of time, we're only gonna go through two of these. And in fact, the other two are in that document I talked about earlier, okay? So make sure you download that. Go look at those other two takeaways and some of the scriptures that support it. But for today, I wanna focus on these, these other two so that we can just kind of wrap our arms around it and carry this with us as we leave today. And so the first thing that we can take away and understand about this as we see all of the different uses of this word in scripture is that peace is a very relational term. It's very relational. Does that sound familiar to you at all? We have said this almost every single week in this series. This is very, very important to understand the proper context. Now, that being said, there are certain contexts and certain situations where peace can be seen as a commodity. In other words, something to possess. Again, this kind of general, general inner disposition of calm and of ease, we certainly see it in that sense at times. But most of the time, Biblically, peace, again, points us to people, to community, to relationships. In other words, that we would live at peace with one another, right? This is very much what scripture is going to tell us. Now, let me remind you of what that means, because otherwise we're just going to kind of move right past that and, and overlook that. So this is important. Remember, peace is not simply the absence of something. So it's not simply the absence of hate or the absence of conflict, or the absence of strife. It's the presence of something greater in its place. And so namely, in our context, that something greater is love and unity. All right? These are really the foundational things that are going to frame up how peace ought to look in our lives and in our relationships. Remember, Jesus didn't say, stop fighting with your enemy. What's he say? love your enemy. Like he ramps it up. There's something greater here that we need to pay attention to. He also doesn't just say, don't have conflict with each other. He says, you are now one. You, you are united in mission and, and identity. Like this is how important this is. And so in many ways, peace is ultimately a call to love everyone. And as the church, it's a call to be united together in mission and identity. This is what peace must ultimately lead us to. So let me show you this in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Follow along closely. This is a good one. It says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of, listen to these words carefully, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, just like soak those words in. Continuing on, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, 
which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ be the ruling principle in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful, okay? Now there's a lot going on there and you'll notice a lot of consistency with the things that we're talking about around this concept. It kind of fits all of these things nice and neat within this set of scriptures. But here's what stands out to me most. And that is, it says, let the peace of Christ be the ruling principle in your heart. In other words, let peace rule and govern your heart. Now let's remind ourselves what the word heart means in scripture. That means your will, the the things that you choose to do. Let peace be the ruling principle of those things. So let peace guide your decisions. Let peace shape your perspective. Let peace govern what you put your heart to. Peace must be leading the way if we indeed are going to follow after Jesus. And in fact, this is what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who make peace. If you wanna know what it looks like to be a child of God, if you wanna know what that entails, well, here's where you can look. Are they seeking after peace? Are they pursuing peace? Are they striving for peace? This is what it ought to look like. And that shouldn't surprise us because if our heavenly father is the God of peace, if he is the ultimate peacemaker, then this must be who we are in his image, right? Which means striving for reconciliation. That means pushing for restoration. That means working to bring about peace. This is who we should be. After all, that sounds an awful lot like the one we claim to follow, right? We call ourselves Christ's followers. If Jesus is anything and he's done anything for us, it's bringing about peace, In fact, go read Luke 2 when his birth comes about. What's it say? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. As Jesus shows up, that's what it is. It's peace on earth, peace between you and I, um, peace between us and his creation, ultimately peace between us and God, right? This is the ultimate relational peace that we see in scripture. In fact, watch what Paul says in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Now that word justified, which is obviously a derivative of what we talked about last week, the the word justice, what that simply means, at least in general terms, is declared righteous, okay? So like we talked about last week, we have been brought into right relationship with the Father in and through Jesus, right? He is the one who has made things right between us in and through the cross. And so what Paul does is he takes a few steps back. He looks at this beautiful equation of what Jesus has come to do, what he has accomplished, what he has made available to us, and he simply calls it peace. We have been restored. We have been made whole in and through the work of Christ. This is such a fundamental aspect of peace that we very much need to understand every single day of our lives if we're truly going to follow him. And this leads us to the second and the final takeaway. And this is ultimately what I'm hoping you kind of take with you, put in your pockets and, and leave with you today. And that is as we read through scripture and all of these different accounts of the word peace, what we ultimately see is that peace is summed up in this, that he is with us. Peace is ultimately summed up here that he is with us. This is yet again another trend 
that we see throughout this series. Isn't it interesting how you dig into these spiritual concepts within the Bible and like every one of them just keeps pointing to the same thing, keeps pointing to who God is and what he's really up to and and somehow we still miss it, right? But over and over again, it's gonna point us to the truth and this is definitely one of those examples. It would amaze you as you read through the different times in scripture that talks about peace, how often it's attached to the presence of God. It would amaze you how consistent this is. Now, now, let me clarify, when I say the presence of God, because sometimes like Devin was talking about, that, that kind of throws us off a little bit. The word presence simply means near you. In fact, it almost paints this picture of like being face-to-face with somebody. You're in close proximity with somebody. That's what it means to be in the presence of God. And so when we say that peace is not simply the absence of something, but the presence of something far greater in its place, this is ultimately what we're talking about, right? That the very presence of God is with us. In fact, is living within us. And so this is greater than anything that we could possibly face right? He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. There's nothing that can stand against us because he is with us. And so what true biblical peace is going to show us is that it's not the absence of trials or tribulations or the absence of of heartaches. It's the surety and the confidence that in those times, the God of peace, the Prince of peace is with you. And that's enough. That's what peace is going to ultimately lead us to. In fact, watch what it says in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. The Lord be with you. Now now it says here, may he grant you peace in every circumstance. What, What that should mean to us, what that should show us is that his peace is not conditional. His peace is not restricted. It's not based on the elements that are going around us. He himself is peace, which means every circumstance that comes up in life, come what may, his peace is available to you. That's the truth. That is the unbelievable truth that scripture continues to show us. And so are you anxious? You've been dealing with anxiety? Scripture says, take that to God in prayer and his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you dealing with doubts? Have you been doubtful lately? Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, peace be with you. It's okay. You don't have to worry. Have you been fearful lately? Are you afraid of what's going on in your life? Jesus says, my peace, I give you. I'm gonna go ahead and and give this to you. It's okay. Are you hurting? Are you in pain? God says, I will heal my people and bring them abundant peace. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what situation it is. If you will simply abide in him, you will rest in his peace. If you will simply trust in him, this is possible. In fact, a wise scholar once said, a lack of peace in life is a lack of trust in God. Think about that for a second. If you're lacking peace in your life, this is the unfortunate truth. There's some sort of disconnect in your trust and your faith and your belief as it relates to God. Remember we said at the beginning, peace is the absence of doubt and the presence of confidence and trust. That's what it's ultimately about. In fact, this is exactly what we see in Isaiah 26, starting in verse three. It says, you will keep the peace, a perfect peace for all who trust in you, for those who dedicate their hearts and minds to you. Watch what verse four says. So trust in the eternal one forever, for he is like a great rock, strong, stable, trustworthy, and lasting. I want you to pay attention to that last line because it just ripped off basically everything we've been talking about. 
See, see, what he gives us is strength and stability, trustworthiness, faithfulness. This is what he gives us. Question is, will we abide? Will, will we remain in him? Will we trust in him regardless of what's going on around us? Because see, here's the other thing about peace that we often don't understand. Peace is not laziness. Peace is not idleness, right? We talked last year about the same thing when it comes to, to resting in him. These are not biblical pictures of being stationary or, or being inactive. They are biblical pictures of an inner disposition that disregards the outer elements. That's the picture that is being painted. See, peace is an inner disposition that says, come what may in my life, he is with me, I trust him, and that's it. It's settling your heart and everything you are in that, in that alone. Remember at the beginning, I said, this is ultimately about application. That, that's the question. Will, will I rest in this? Will I believe this wholeheartedly? Will I apply this every moment of every day in my life? He is peace and he is with me. That's all that matters. Can you imagine the perspective that that might give us? Can you imagine the strength, the security that that might give us if we truly lived in that truth? I read this quote from Alexander McLaren that I thought summed it up in such a beautiful way. So let me read this to you. He said this, if we believed all these things, if we realized them and lived in the faith of them, if we meditated on them in the midst of our daily duties, and if they were real to us and not mere words written down in a book, how should anything be able to disturb us or to shake our settled confidence Cleave to the words of the master and let them pour into your hearts the quietness and the confidence which nothing else can give. And then whatsoever storms may be around, the heart will be at rest. We find peace nowhere else but where Mary found her rest, sitting at the feet of Jesus, wrapped in his love and listening to his word. See, see this is what it's about. Will we abide in him? Will we rest in his presence? Will we trust that he has everything in control? If we can do that, we will live lives of peace. This is what is available to us. This is how we ought to live our lives if we're truly gonna follow after him. And so we must apply it rightly.